This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Well, hello and welcome back to the E-Commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled Marketing. And today I've got a special guest, Mindy Fashore, who is the Chief Operating Officer at PackView. PackView is a ad tech platform that we use at Bobsled Marketing and we do a lot of work together with PackView. Mindy joined PackView from Newell Brands, where she led the Amazon sales team for three and a half years and had responsibility for nearly a billion dollars in annual revenue across a large portfolio of industry-leading brands. Prior to Newell Brands, Mindy spent over 10 years at Amazon in various cross-functional roles, including finance, third-party account management, in-stock management, and vendor management. Mindy has strong subject matter expertise across many disciplines at Amazon and is extremely passionate about data-driven decision-making and helping to streamline operations to maximize revenue. I'm really pleased to have Mindy with me today. So Mindy, you've been speaking recently on the topic of retail media measurement, something that a lot of listeners really grapple with, how much to spend, what's a good number, how do, where do we go th- from from here. Tell us a little bit about what kind of frameworks you recommend to brands. Yeah, it's a great question and it's also a bigger question than it sounds like because you know, frameworks can really span multiple facets. And when it comes to retail media, there are so many different things to measure. So, you know, for the sake of this discussion, I think it's really important to meet the listener where they are. And given that this is a new industry, I mean, retail media really is a new industry within the last year or so. I would argue that nobody is very far down the path yet in terms of strong cross-retailer, retail media measurement frameworks. And so, I'd like to start at a little bit of a higher level in that rather than talking about one specific measurement framework, I'd like to talk more about how to think about establishing those frameworks. Because, you know, at the end of the day, there's no one size fits all approach and there's no one size fits all way to measure. It really boils down to what your strategies are. So, you know, when thinking about frameworks around retail media that I would build if I were managing a retail media investment, I would look at staffing. So I would have a framework around how do I staff for success? I would also have a different framework around budgeting, both from an annual perspective, but also from a risk and opportunity perspective. So making sure that you've got a process to check in on, you know, where you're spending, how you're pacing versus your budget. Are you accomplishing your business objectives with that budget? And if not, what do you do in that case? And then lastly, a framework to measure actual performance, but not not an aggregate, you know, any good paid search strategy is a set of different objectives that you're trying to accomplish with different strategies. And so making sure that you're really aligning those KPIs and that framework to measure if you're actually achieving the business objectives that you set out to achieve. And what I mean by that is, you can't just use ROAS to measure everything. Because if you are, you know, you're really missing the opportunity to ensure that you're driving incremental sales, that you're driving share of voice or total share of sales, things like that. So it's really important to make sure that when you're creating these frameworks, that you're really truly trying to measure the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. 
That is such a great point because certainly at Bobsled, what we hear a lot from clients is I want improve my ACOS, grow my sales and, and these sort of second order effects of what you're talking about, which is what's the, what's the business objective? And if there's a real difference in the strategy and outcomes you're going to get from ad campaigns that are focused on building market share or driving awareness or launching a new product versus one versus business objective around a real focus on profitability on unit economics. And so a lot of the times what we end up hearing from clients or what might be communicated to you if you're a listener that is a brand is drive this ACOS down while stepping back and figuring out what's the what's the business objective here because that is that's just a second order effect what we're talking about when we looking we're looking at those metrics there like you said yeah and i i mean i don't want to dismiss the value of a roas kpi obviously you want to make sure that you have a reasonable you know benchmark for success or for efficiency and profitability i think the the point is you know, you can't have incremental sales without investment and not everything is going to be, you know, highly efficient. You can find pockets of efficiency while still driving those business outcomes. And so you should always keep an eye on on ROAS, but you have to get granular in how you're measuring. You know, you have to really look at for this specific input, here are the set of outputs I'm looking to achieve and am I doing that, but then keeping an eye on, am I also doing that efficiently? So give us some examples of that. So let's say the business objective is to grow market share and incremental sales. What kind of criteria would you then put against that from a metric standpoint? Yeah, that's a great question. So you know, if your goal is to grow market share and or incremental sales, I would be looking at a number of different KPIs. I mean, First and foremost, obviously, if you can get market share from a third party provider, that's great. Another kind of marketing KPI, although you have to you know, be leveraging someone that can provide this information to you is share of voice. So looking directionally at your share of voice over time, and is that growing? Obviously, top line sales. And then also looking at you know, just pure impression volume and clicks. Seeing growth in your clicks is, you know, a true indicator of growth in your top line, assuming those convert over time. And again, doing so with with ROAS as kind of that second or third data point that you're just tracking to make sure that you're not, you know, going, you know, to zero or, you know, under a dollar or whatever that looks like for your business, but really leveraging ROAS as kind of a secondary or tertiary KPI when your goal is to grow top line. So you know, when we talk about paid search and we talk about, you know, how do you structure your, your campaigns to meet your business objectives, one of the most critical things you can do is map your keywords. So keywords can either be, you know, a competitor's brand name. So, you know, if you're all laundry detergent, then Tide is a competitor keyword for you, whereas all would be your branded keywords. So we do category competitor and branded keywords and really trying to bucketize those keywords and create your campaigns and your strategies against those tactics. Because, you know, if you really truly care about nothing but ROAS and efficiency, then you'd spend a lot of your money on branded keywords, but arguably those aren't incremental sales as if a client or I mean, a consumer is already searching for your brand, they likely have an intent to purchase from your brand. So really making sure that you're allocating your budget 
to those keyword buckets that help you accomplish your business objectives. So if it really is to grow top line, you're going to want to focus more on that category bucket. So for example, laundry detergent would be a category keyword where there's no brand affiliation in that search. And likely some of those sales would be incremental to your business had they not, you know, found your brand organically and chosen to convert on that. That's wonderful. That's that's a really great overview. Thank you for that. And then conversely, if you're looking to run a super lean retail media strategy and have a very profitable channel, where would you be focusing your efforts to flip that on its head? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, if I were really looking at profitability, I would be looking at the items that I'm highlighting in those campaigns. So I'd really be looking at, you know, the retailer's profitability, the brand's profitability, and trying to find that sweet spot. Typically, it's going to be those higher price point items, larger pack sizes, etc. So that the shipping costs and the fully landed cost is smaller as the percent of total for the average sales price. So that'll really help drive up profitability overall. Another way to leverage your paid search to drive your profitability would be, you know, focusing on new items. So leveraging kind of your strong branded keywords to highlight new items in your portfolio. Those are likely still at full price, haven't seen a lot of discounting or price matching in the marketplace. So there's different tactics that you can use to really mix toward those more profitable items. And then again, you know, when it gets to profitability, leveraging marketing KPIs, I would argue that ROAS is still not the best indicator of profitability because, you know, you also have to look at would somebody have purchased an item organically had you not invested in paid search? And that's a really tough thing to measure and a really tough problem to try to solve for. But I would say just because you have good ROAS on something doesn't mean it's going to be one of your most profitable campaigns or items either, because it could be that you're paying to sell it when you could have sold it for free. Every Amazon seller is familiar with the importance of having the capital to seize growth opportunities. That's why Payoneer, the sponsor of today's episode, developed their working capital solution specifically for online sellers. Payoneer's Capital Advance offers e-sellers selling on Amazon and Walmart up to 750k advancement instantly loaded, a gradual sediment collected from future marketplace receivables, always leaving you with some funds to manage the day-to-day and an attractive fixed fee. Skip the credit checks and learn about bringing your e-commerce vision to life by visiting payoneer.com funding. Again, that's payoneer.com slash funding funding. You'll even get a special 10% fee rebate on your first offer. Thanks, Payoneer. Yeah, totally agree on that. There's a greater understanding of a halo effect in retail media and even offline versus online media in terms of ad-influenced purchases, digital-influenced purchases showing up in the store and If you invest more in shopper marketing activities, that can also increase your online sales and then cross-pollination between online channels too. So I, I totally get what you're saying. We've seen clients who've had really great Facebook ad campaigns that are directing traffic to their e-com site actually grow their Amazon sales without 
that's the only correlation we can find. Or they've had a really great PR campaign or a really great influencer campaign, their Amazon sales will jump up. So yeah, what you're saying, ROAS, having a singular focus on ROAS in either situation is not really serving you. Right. And I think, you know, the key word you said is correlation, right? I think the key takeaway here is there is so much that could possibly be measured in this space, but how valuable is that measurement? Even if you had the perfect data, are you set up for success to go, you know, leverage that data perfectly to achieve all of your outcomes? And so that's what brings me back to making sure you're staffed appropriately, making sure that you have a good framework for budgeting, both annually and again, on a more, you know, more like real time basis. So looking at it monthly or quarterly, it's really important to make sure that you have those frameworks in place and that you're set up for success. And then really don't wait until you have the perfect data because that'll never exist. You've got to be able to correlate different data points to see what directionally helps you tell the story. Because when it comes to e-commerce, as you know, Kiri, you guys work on both the retail and the retail media side of of the e-commerce business. There are so many variables that go into a sale ultimately. And it's impossible to keep everything constant just to test one and perfectly measure the impact of that variable. And so you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, even though you've got a bunch of data don't overwhelm yourself, use it to your advantage and really hone in on what's the right way to measure the specific things that you're looking to measure. Hmm. So let's dig into the framework for budgeting and staffing as well, because I want to make sure that we capture the nuance of what you're talking about here. Yeah. You want me to just kind of dive into how I would Yeah, please. Great. Let's start with staffing. So if I can't (laughs) stress one thing enough, it's going to be this point. You need a very strong financial or data analyst to partner with the leader of retail media to really drive the modeling. I think that's critical. But then too, when it comes to staffing out your full organization for retail media, one of the things that's really important to consider is platform complexity. So for example, you know, if you're talking about an Amazon versus a Critio when it comes to retail media execution, it's night and day in terms of the time that you can spend on on both of those platforms. Amazon obviously being the most mature, the most robust, has the most products and features versus a Critio where you've got little control, you can't bid on keywords, you know, you focus on items, you kind of trust the algorithm. And so understanding the complexity of the platform because that then becomes an indicator of time spent. So, you know, if we're looking at Amazon is a one you know, a Critio would be like a point two in terms of platform complexity. And then, you know, the other things that come into play when staffing for success is looking at the size of business. So how many brands, how many product categories, how many items that you're going to advertise? What are those internal connect points look like? All of those things become really important. Who's doing the reporting? Who's doing the analysis? You have to consider all those things when you're structuring your team for success And then the other thing to take into account is, you know, new features and functionality. So, you know, what if a new platform comes out? How are you going to staff for that in the short term and then also over the long term? And then there's the question of internal ownership. So thinking about an Instacart, for example, you know, a lot of times there's nobody that that sort of owns these marketplaces, if you will, that span multiple retailers. So thinking about things like that, because there could be more Instacarts in the future. 
And then lastly, from a staffing perspective, technology. So a lot of these retailer UIs, you know, they're not very efficient. And so making sure that you have either the people to deal with those or overcompensate for those platform inefficiencies, or you have the technology that can really help you streamline the inputs to achieve those outputs. And then do you have any questions on staffing before I talk about budgeting? No, this is really great. I'm actually just taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) And then comes budgeting. So budgeting, you know, this is obviously a challenging conversation because there's, again, I know people don't love this, but there's no one approach. It's really, you have to understand your organization, how it works, who are the stakeholders and what's important to them. And so I think really taking that retailer specific approach from an annual and a checkpoint perspective throughout the year. And again, looking at what are the capabilities? What are those platform complexities? How much control do you really have? And so it's funny, I was actually putting together a training and it was to train both a brand and an agency on, it was Walmart specific, but on paid search. And I continued to go back and forth between, you know, planning strategy and setting budget and which one of those come first. And ultimately what I decided is the strategy comes before the budget because it really depends, you know, what you budget for depends on how aggressive you want to be. It depends on how competitive the category is. So, you know, having somebody that can dive in and kind of help understand the landscape before setting budgets will be really important to understand even with, you know, what you feel like could be a very robust budget if the CPCs are really high in the category and the competition is is tough, you know, you might not be able to achieve all of the objectives that you thought you could with that budget. So, you know, what I would also advise on two more things around budgeting is having a, a test and learn or a pulse budget. So a percent of your total budget that you set aside to capture things like new features, new functionality, things like that. And then lastly, what I would say is, try to anchor your budget in something measurable. So a percent of sales is kind of the obvious one. But if you think about an Instacart where, you know, maybe you don't have that direct relationship to start, you don't really have a sense of the sales or what the the sales projection looks like. That's where we really recommend starting with a test and learn budget. And it's not always going to be anchored in, you know, a percent of that retailer sales or that marketplace of sales, but more around, what are you budgeting for a different platform? And maybe you give it 10% of what you would give, say, an Amazon or a Walmart. So really just trying to anchor your budgeting in something that's measurable, something that you're comfortable with. Mm. Mindy, this has been so helpful. I'm not joking. I've actually just taken a bunch of notes to make sure that we have some really great show notes together. I've got lots more questions. So we'll have to get you back on the on the show again to dive deeper into this topic. Great. I'd love Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. And tell us a little bit more about what resources you're working on for PackView and what listeners should do if they're interested in learning more. Yeah, that's a great question. So for those of you that don't know PackView, you know, we really are a self-service technology platform. We help brands, agencies such as Bobsled Marketing and sellers automate the execution of their paid search and also their Amazon display advertising. So we have, you know, features such as our budget module, which allows you to really break down your budget at various levels, but also put those controls in place so that you're not overspending. 
or underspending, quite frankly. So that's just one example, but that's essentially what an ad tech tool such as PackView can do. And then in terms of what's coming up for PackView, we will be releasing our Prime Day CPC results on 6.30. We also have our upcoming Q2 CPC report. Historically, we've only done an Amazon CPC report. We now have critical mass on Walmart. So we'll be doing our first Walmart CPC report for Q2 as well. And that's on July 20th. And then Melissa will be doing a webinar on July 1st to talk about applying learnings from Ecom World. So if that's something people are interested, you can find information on the PackView website. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mindy. Look forward to speaking with you again soon. Yes, thank you. You as well. Thanks for having me, Kerry. Well, that was a great conversation with Mindy. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mindy. I just want to recap a few things that I thought were interesting really great perspective from Mindy on zooming out and not just going straight for the most legible, visible number on the dashboard, which is in in Amazon's case, at least advertising cost of sales. It's true. If you wanted a low advertising cost of sales, you could just manipulate the campaigns such that you're only bidding on very high intent long tail branded keywords. And so I think this conversation really shines a light on needing to go back to the business outcomes and figuring out what does what does that look like for the brand, the goals that you have as a business and what are the what are the what are the outcomes that make sense from an advertising perspective there. This is so much easier said than done. I um, recently just finished working on a report with the Digital Shelf Institute around profitability in the e-commerce channel. And these issues are big issues and of interest to so many people because they are hard. And it's very hard to go back to your leaders and the business and, and push back on a, a desire to see a particular ROAS or ACOS. But this is what we are here for at e-commerce brain trust to help give you some of those talking points and that bigger picture visibility of what needs to happen to really drive meaningful change in the new world that we live in. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, I want to suggest a couple more to you. Uh, A couple months ago, Stefan did an interview with another member of the bobsled team, Ross, called Bobsled's PPC Philosophy. I really recommend you take a listen to that one. We'll link it up in the show notes. And there's also a blog post on the Bobsled Marketing blog called How to Get the Most Out of Your Amazon Sponsored Ads Efforts. And that's where we also talk about this concept that we have called the Amazon Advertising Triangle, which was very hard to explain on a podcast, but when you see the diagram, it will make a ton of sense. So we'll link up to those in the show notes. If you're interested, go back to the month that we did the ads series on this podcast. I think that you'll get a lot out of it. And I will get Mindy back on the show to finish up all the questions that I had for her. She was a really great guest. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week.